My name is Hartley Wright, and you are listening to Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs. Hey, before this episode kicks off, I've got a big ask. If you enjoy listening to Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs, help us out and tell someone about it. Or better yet, post a review or a comment. You can find us on social media by searching Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs. You can tweet us at Faith Moneybomb. Kevin and I are both on Facebook. And you can leave a comment via email to the show's address, f.bombs at hartleywright.com. We hope you'll spread the word and thanks. Okay, now let's get on with this episode. Window seat or aisle seat? I definitely want the aisle seat on a bus. Depending on what we're flying over, I might want the window seat on a plane. In a train, probably going to want a window seat on a train too. For me, definitely on a plane, the aisle, because of my size. Mm -hmm. But height, more than anything, long legs. But don't you get, because... Yeah, it it has pros and cons. Yeah. All right, leather or lace. Take that however you want, whether it's you personally wearing or preference the other way. You're not a biker. I'm not a biker. Otherwise, leather would be a possibility in our own personal preference of wearing. I'm going to answer lace. I love lace. I wear lace every day. Uh, you can see it that's on me now. That's one reason why we don't uh, have video. video. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Welcome to the Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs podcast, where we inspire you to manage your money, Find your soul and cover your ears. Join host Hartley Wright, a certified spiritual director, and Kevin Bartolacci, director of research and education at Sunvold Financial Investment Advisory Firm. Together, they hope to help you discover the benefits of enriching your life as they entertain one another and hopefully you too. Hello, everyone. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Hartley. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, I did. Stress-free. Well, I like it. That's good. That's a good way. I, I don't think everyone could say that. I'm positive everyone cannot say that. Yeah. Most people would like to say it. Yeah. I think. So clearly you didn't get together with family. <laughs> uh, well, that's a sort of... Uh, Olivia and Anthony hosted us on Thanksgiving afternoon for a meal, and... Um, I saw my dad on Friday. So, yeah, that was yeah, it. Yeah, so relatively conflict-free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Listener, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Friday was Kelly's birthday, so we had a nice Thanksgiving, nice birthday celebration for her. Went to Fayetteville to watch the Missouri Tigers football play their final game of the season. Incredible game. All Mizzou. Mizzou made it possible for them to score a couple of touchdowns at the end, but mm-hmm. yeah, they totally whopped him. And Mizzou finished ten and two. <laughs> you just mentioned prior to our beginning that you went to a Mizzou football game in 1988. In 1988, their record was like three and 172. Yeah, I was at one of the losses. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> if you attended in 1988, it's a general assumption it, you were at one of the it was losses. One of the, at that time, it was one of the. Worst losses in the program history. I think it was a final score of fifty-five to nothing, but I can't remember. I kind of they were playing the defending national champions. They don't schedule national champs to come in and not. Yeah, well, they anymore. were when when it was scheduled. They probably were not national champions. They were probably good. It was Miami. 
So probably it was all about well, they how maybe much money. you know what it was money. Sure, yeah, it was money. How much money did you get you money pay us to yeah to come beat the hell out of us? Right, and we yeah. gladly accepted their check and. They beat the hell yeah, out of us. that was it. I know you went to a Mizzou basketball game last year. And prior to that, you probably haven't been to a Mizzou basketball game in uh, years. Whatever game was being hosted the day that John Sunville got inducted into the SEC yeah. Hall of Fame. That's because <laughs> he's your boss. Yeah, he bought the tickets. Well, we bought the tickets to the induction ceremony. And as part of that, you got to go to the game. And Gosh, then, that was a long time ago. No, no, no. I'm talking about the induction ceremony. It was just a couple of years ago. It was like 2018 okay. or 19. His induction ceremony does not stand out in your memory in terms well, of the year and the date. The reason is because he never played in the SEC. It was ridiculous. It's like, how are you getting inducted into the SEC Hall of Fame? You never played in the SEC. But he's he would have been inducted into the Big 8, the Big 12, and now the SEC. He never played in the Big 12 or the SEC. I remember asking him about, like, why, why are you getting inducted? He said, it's all about the money. When you have an induction ceremony, they expect people to come buy tables for the induction ceremony. So it's for the conference. It's all about the money, man. Well, everything is all about the money. I know it. In college sports, but that does That's that why really I get so frustrated with things like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when they have people in there that aren't rock and rollers. It's like, oh, it's like what John told me about all these Hall of Fame inductions. It's all about raising revenue for your conference right. or, or your Rock and Roll Hall or whatever it is. Right. That's all it's about. Right. The one that I know most aggravates you just did a Thanksgiving night halftime performance. Oh, I saw it. Did you? You yes, saw it? because Anthony and Olivia had the game on at their yeah. house. And they're like, oh, look, Dolly's doing the halftime show. Yeah. And I went. 77 or 78 years old? I don't know how old she is. So that's one of she those was wearing two. a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. Uniform, yeah. Uniform. And not doing it a disservice, I would say. But come on. Did you see it? It was on in the background. <laughs> I paid attention to... It was brutal. I kind of looked over, glanced and looked over and saw maybe when you added up, probably less than a minute worth, really. You didn't miss anything. She can't lip sync. I can tell you that. So, That's when I got up off the couch to go into the kitchen and get some cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't take this. I know we do not have... There's not much happening... On the financial no, realm today. No, Thanksgiving is a short week. No market activity Thursday at all. Shortened uh, session on Friday. No Fed meetings. Yeah, last week was just a vacuum for financial Right. Stuff. Would you care to share this great idea that you have on age 62 versus age 65? Would you share? I think our listener would be very intrigued. And- sure. Write your congresspeople, uh, unless it's George Santos, because he's about to be expelled. So anybody besides Santos, write them a letter and say, look, you need to align Social Security retirement payments with Medicare eligibility. And I don't care which way we go. If we bring the Medicare eligibility down to 62 to match the Social Security early payments, or if we raise Social Security age for retirement benefits up to 65, one or the other, just move them to make the same. The reason being is I sit and counsel many, many clients who want to retire before they're age 65 because they have the financial resources to do so. The big question that we keep running into is, what are we going to do about our health insurance? And here in the state of Missouri, we opted not to participate in the national database. We wanted to do our own because we were anti-Obamacare. So we- uh, I think we still are. uh, We did not expand Medicaid. We didn't do all the things you could have done to make it easier for a Missouri citizen to get 
a health insurance plan on their own. We're kind of stuck in Missouri. If I were the president and I had the power to call together people who might be able to get this done, I would call together CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies or the S&P 500, I don't care who it is, get all the big ones together or their representatives and say, here's what I'm thinking. I want to lower Medicare eligibility to age 62 because I believe that actuarially speaking, the most expensive employees you have are those people who are between age 62 and up, 65, 67, 70, how long are you letting these people work? They earn more than anybody else in your company. They cost more from a health insurance perspective. Because they've been there longer, so they're, yep. yeah. They cost more because that's just the way health insurance works. When you're older, you cost more. What if I could get those off your payroll and we transfer that burden over to the Medicare system? And they're going to go, oh, yeah, that would help a lot. What do you want from us? But that's going to be the kickback, right? I'm right. going to tell them up front, here's what I want. i got to pay for this program somehow. I'm going to raise your corporate taxes by X. But I'll guarantee you my increase of your taxes is going to be less than what you're going to save by getting them off your payroll. Now, let's just throw some numbers at it. Maybe X is 3%, but you're saving 10%. Even if you saved 1% on the budget of a Fortune 500 company, we're talking about tens of millions of dollars to your bottom line. Let's get our accountants together and our, all of our actuarials and put this together and let's come up with a plan. We can make this work. That'd be my pitch to both sides. And it's a great pitch. It seems like it. I know there's something I'm missing because I don't have access to all the data. Just data that I've picked up over the years from reading things. And now that I'm over age 60 and I know what things cost on my health insurance. Mm -hmm. And we sell health insurance at Sunbold. So I know what those quotes look like. I know that I'm right in the fact that those are your most expensive employees. Mm -hmm. And if they're wanting to retire and the only roadblock is, I don't know what I'm going to do for health insurance. And they're going to hang on to your health insurance for the next three years because they have to to get to Medicare. That isn't good for them or you. If they That's already have health costly. problems at between age 50 and 62, do you think those health problems are going to get worse or better between 62 and 65? Number one, they're older. Number right. two, they're in a job they don't want to be in, but they have to because they have no choice. Let's, look at, let's get them out early. It's a great idea. And it'll probably never happen. Makes a lot it of makes sense. sense. Did I tell you about when I wrote Roy Blunt about it? <laughs> This uh, is before Roy had said, I'm not going to run for Senate again. Okay. And we're sitting here with Roy Blunt and Josh Hawley. Josh was a junior senator. He was in his first term. I went to Roy because Roy has clout that Josh didn't have. I write, I write to Blunt. I get a reply back. He doesn't even answer my question. It's clearly a form <laughs> letter from some underling. But he's got, he's got the clear GOP talking points for the 2016 election. That's all that's in the letter. Never addresses my question at all. So he probably didn't even read it. Hell, it never made his desk. Somebody, somebody saw it, went, Perp. and if yeah. I want to donate to his campaign, you know, here's how I can do it. I'm like, fuck you. I'm trying to solve real problems here, and you're kicking out a form letter. And that is something that we're taught to do. That is something we're encouraged to do. Always it's write your something senator. That, yes, I mean, time. when I say taught, that we're taught to do it, I mean, from the moment you're in junior high, we and you start letters. to learn about uh, American civics and and uh, history and government and how this system yeah. works, we're encouraged. And you are right. We were given, that was part of our assignment. Yeah, we're we writing letters we too. We got responses back yeah. from the senators back in the 70s. Now I get a form letter and ask me how much I want to donate to his campaign. Yeah. I'm not a major donor. They're looking at that name. Like, Who the hell's yeah. that? Form letter. Who's this Italian-American? Possibly, Me possibly Mexican. Not sure. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> Wait, lives in Missouri. Yeah, it could yeah, be either could one. Be either one. Yeah, maybe they don't. Yeah, it could be a misspelling. Yeah, but he's never yeah. donated to my campaign, so he's not getting any attention from me. Even though this is a real issue, he brought up. Boy, Can you boy. imagine my disappointment when I got the form letter back? It's like, 
when I got a letter back, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. And then I read, I was like, you didn't even read yeah. my letter, did you? So this gives me insight into a year ago, a little less than a year ago, we were giving a call to action. Yeah. And you said, write your congressman unless it's Roy Blunt. <laughs> now so why. now I know why. <laughs> yeah. I never asked you about it. Now I know why. You know, a couple of weeks ago, a long-haired young person came into our bank and said to me, I bet you won't lend me money to buy an electric guitar. Well, he was making $100 a week, and he was over 18, and I said, I bet you I will lend you money to buy an electric guitar. And I did. So what happens? The punk gets busted for possession of dangerous drugs, and we're out 350 bucks. There's one thing about kids nowadays... You don't have to give them credit. Universal Bank, we trust you about as far as we can throw you. We have been podcasting for one year. Celebrate, pop some crooks, put on some leather and lace. One year. Yeah, so I thank you for being part of this. I thank you for being part of this for a year. Hey, it's been a pleasure. As I like it. Listener, you know, we need to know now that we've been doing this a year, it'd be nice to know do we have, are there things like, is our theme, does our theme need to change? So we're relying on you to let us know, but since we never hear from the listener in any way, shape, or form, you know, it's going to, those things are going to stay. Yeah, I think this is our year. Now that we're in our second year, I think we're going to get in, I think we're going to get sponsors. on the radar. We'll at least, uh, uh, let's let's just hope that we can at least have sponsors for certain episodes. So we can oh. say this episode is sponsored by. I guess we could yeah, start We could there. do that. We'll start there. Or or Act One was sponsored by. All right. We'll oh, what a that. great future we can look forward to. Hey, we are in a season of Advent. So week one was hope. We talked about that. And week two is joy. The word Advent, I don't think I mentioned this, but the word Advent really translates coming. It's, la- it's from Latin. When Kelly and I were dating and we were high schoolers, we were teenagers, she had a front window that was there in their dining room. And I've heard her say on more than one occasion, when she thinks about that house or when she looks at that house and she sees that window, she thinks about how much anticipation she would have and how she would stand at that room looking out that window in anticipation of me coming. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a wonderful visual picture of how our hearts need to be as we think about in this Advent season of anticipating. How do you prepare your heart for something like that to occur in your life? You wait with anticipation. We have Advent to really prepare our minds, our hearts, and our souls for the arrival of God with us. It's God in the person of Jesus coming in as a baby, but it's God with us, and how is he with us today? So it's Jesus the Christ child, born to the Virgin Mary a couple of millennia ago, then and seeing him show up in the hardest parts of our humanity today. One of the challenges with this as we think about Advent in general is one would say this is just irrelevant. It just doesn't have any relevance to me, especially if you're not a spiritual person, right. not a faith, faith-based person. If you are a person of faith and you do have spiritual practices that you incorporate, you still might find yourself saying, okay, I get that this is part of the season and I really appreciate Christ's birth, but it's a sacred story that I'm really far far removed from, or more appropriately speaking, probably it's a sacred story that's very much removed from the chaos of my current world. We think of it as such a sacred moment, so something that is so holy that we lose the celebration of it and the excitement of it. But really, we need to think and wrap our heads around. Let's think about it in terms of a birthday party, a birthday celebration, and anticipating that. Kevin, you and I have talked about, and I think we've shared about it on the podcast, about you mentioning when Olivia was born, how that experience stood out to you. And it's probably the same with Giovanni. Yep. My two children, the same. 
being part of that birth experience in itself is a holy event. I don't care if you're spiritual or not spiritual, that's a holy event. So every birth is a holy experience. Every birth is a celebration. Whether you smoke cigars or not, there's a lot of people celebrating when that birth happens. And then what happens every year after that? We have a birthday what? A party. Yeah. At least when they're children. Celebration of the anniversary. And so you're celebrating that anniversary. So everything is celebrated. The story of Jesus' birth is a pregnancy announcement in the middle of a lot of political unrest. So I'm just thinking about that because I think about, okay, there's God with us 200 millennia ago, and then how is God with us now? Well, there's political unrest now. What do we have that's political unrest? Well, we've got Israel. We've got Ukraine. We've got terrorism. We've got racism. Here in America, we've got Trump. We've got Biden. There's some political unrest. So that would be global for us. And then personally, I just think we have complicated family dynamics. Many of us do. Many people do. All of us have some kind of, well, maybe not all of us have some kind of inner turmoil, but generally speaking, there's something within us that we want settled. There's something that we're not at peace about, even if it's a good thing, even if it's a positive thing. In Advent, we're anticipating the arrival of something you want very, very badly. And by feeling the weight so deeply, you are even more satisfied when it arrives on Christmas Day. You're wanting something very, very badly. It could be a very simple thing, like there's a specific gift you want. When you order something from Amazon, how much do you anticipate waiting for that to arrive at your door? And if you're an Amazon Prime listener, it's coming the very next day, but you still greatly anticipate that coming and you're wanting it very badly. Uh, Maybe it's a raise. Maybe it's a different job. Maybe uh, you're single and you're wanting to have a spouse. Maybe it's some specific moment you want or alluding to what I mentioned a few moments ago, maybe there's just some part of your life that you're wanting peace and you want it very, very badly. And by feeling the weight of that so deeply, you're even more satisfied when it arrives on Christmas Day. Think about the joy of birth. How much does your life just turn upside down when the baby comes? It's going to be a dramatic change in your life. An encounter with the incarnate Christ happens in unexpected plans, unaccomplished dreams, transitions, new beginnings. No matter what it is, this Christmas season, if you participate and embrace Advent, in the spirit that we're encouraging, there will be a dramatic change in your life in some way because it's hard for it not to be because we're talking about God. Yeah. That's our Advent for week two. Go to our show notes. Look at the scriptures. We'll have the scripture. They won't just be references. So you can read the scriptures in the show notes. You can read the prayers and participate in the prayers. And I encourage you to do that. But as you do that, I want you to think through this grid of, in my joyful preparation for this arrival, What do I need to make space for this arrival into my life? What are the obstacles I need to remove? What is the clutter that I need to clear from my heart? Hello, and thank you for calling us. Do you have any any F-bombs? Do you have anything Uh, that's irritated you lately? Yes, hold on. I have Android phone, a tablet, and then the college gave me an iPad. Yes. Um, Here we go. I know where this is going. I got all logged in with my iPad. I had to put in my Apple ID. But I also have an iPod. iPod? That I, that I bought from years in ago? 2006. And I have, I don't know, 12,000 songs on it. Uh-huh. So when I got the new car, I plugged in my iPod to the auxiliary, expecting it to run through my entertainment system like it has with past cars that I've driven since 2006. It will not. I have come to realize it's because that technology is so old. Right, yeah. So here's my F-bomb about this. 
As near as I can tell, iTunes has been replaced by Apple Music. Yes, Apple that's Music correct. is a subscription service. That's correct. I looked up Apple Music last night. They say in their Apple's official line that if I start an Apple Music subscription, I still have access to all my iTunes catalog. True. That is true. But then my complaint is I've already bought all of this. So now you're going to charge me a monthly fee to listen to music I've owned for 30, 35 years? It integrates. But I'm still going to have to sign into Apple Music in order to get to my old iTunes library? All of my music that I once had in iTunes, that I still have in iTunes, was too much for a computer to hold. Mm. So I put it all onto this external drive. Yep. I have a thumb drive that I saved mine to in case anything happened to this old laptop that yeah, I had iTunes yeah. on. So when I plug in that external drive to play music from that, it forces me to log into iTunes and I bypass it. I put in a different username, email. Re it rejected it because it doesn't log in, mm -hmm. but then I can still play the music. Wow. All of your iTunes music will uh, enter, I mean, it connects. To Apple Music. If okay. I want to listen to music that I have owned for 30 years, I've got to pay Apple to listen to it. Can I load up iTunes for Android and drop all that into my phone if I had um, I'm not, enough memory? I do not know. I don't know that answer. Well, while I love SiriusXM, even though my daughter makes fun of me for having it, she wants to know why I don't. Why don't you just have Spotify? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's this is the exactly. music I want to hear. Sirius XM uh, has a tendency to play the same stuff, same groups, too much for me. I want to hear what I have on my iPod. Case in point, got Kelly's new car in May, mm -hmm. came with Sirius XM free for mm -hmm. 90 days. We used to have yep. that. Yep. We had it for years. Mm -hmm. We no longer have it. It's been a few years since we've had it. Three months driving around. If I'm with her, we've got it on 80s on 8. Mm -hmm. When it came time to scrap, she was fine getting rid of it. She said because they're just playing the same stuff they played when we had it yeah. before. I mean, there's more music besides The Who, <laughs> The Rolling Stones, Elton John, and The Beatles from my era. Right. Oh, they like Pink Floyd a lot, too. It's like, okay, but what about everybody else? And we did hear a really good uh, Tom Petty countdown over the Thanksgiving break. They had the listeners vote for Tom's top 100 songs. Mm -hmm. And Olivia said, I didn't even know he had 100 songs. So like, oh, honey, he's got a lot more than that. So that was kind of cool because we heard songs that we hadn't heard. It's like, right. oh, set number 79, I never heard that one. I want to hear the things I don't hear, but I don't want to listen to deep tracks because there's too much on that I don't care for. Right. I downloaded One Hit Wonders as one of my extra channels, thinking it would be a lot of 60s and 70s, maybe even 80s One Hit Wonders. First time I listened to it, they were playing stuff in like 2017. I'm like, okay, I've never heard of them. Right. And now I know why, but that's not what I was looking for for a one-hit wonder. Right. The problem with those chant with that Sirius XM in terms of those music selection channels is they're trying to get that target audience of what who is it that's actually they're probably using data to say who is it that's actually listening to us. And then they're catering to that. You, you may not know the song. But they play some of the doobies. But I don't ever hear South City Midnight Lady. Why not? It's a good song. It's not popular. Wasn't popular then, isn't popular now. So I know they have an algorithm. Probably has to do with albums sold or whatever. Yeah. Like, but what about some of the other stuff? 
That's the stuff I have in my iTunes collection. I don't know. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's true. I want to hear those. Yeah, and I'll, I'll join you in this, uh, whatever level it is. I'm cherry thinking bomb. cherry bombs, yeah. how I thought about it yesterday. So I'll join you in this cherry bomb because, and I am a, a 100% Apple person. I have been since the Macintosh came out Look in at 82. You. And so once you were able to have everything Apple, I have everything Apple. That doesn't mean I don't use, I can use other stuff. I can cross platforms easily, but I'm just an all, all Mac person, all Apple person. Here's why I don't listen to Apple Music. I would listen to Apple Music and be a subscriber of Apple Music, maybe even over Spotify, if, number one, it was more user-friendly. It just doesn't have a good user-friendly interface. Mm. Some things when you're using it, it's just too hard. I mean, it's not as simple as Spotify. It's not doesn't have a good user interface, and it's somewhat limiting. But then on the flip side of that, I would rather listen to Apple Music because as an artist, I know that Apple pays the artist better royalties than Spotify. Gotcha. But I'm 100% Spotify. And that's because of ease of use and just the platform. Yeah, The platform is just so much more friendlier. And I think Apple makes improvements, but every time... every So on Spotify? Yes, do you load your stuff into that database, or do you just no. play what they pipe out? You just play what's you just play what's out what's out there. But they've got a lot. Um, it's interesting to read about uh, the founder of Spotify and, you can and what his philosophy was, and and I can what you can curate your yeah. own list. So if I had to, let's say worst case scenario, yeah, I fire up my old laptop that has my iTunes on it. I go through, find my playlist that I built. I can rebuild those. Through Spotify, yes. But now I'm paying a monthly fee instead of being free. Yes. It looks like there's no way to do free anymore. Probably not. Well, I I don't know of any other way for me to listen to my stuff. iTunes was the last one I had. And uh, I've looked at Amazon Music, and they have hundreds of thousands of songs. But once again, I want to listen to what I like. Yeah. I don't care what's going on with the newest album from somebody I've never heard of. That's just me. I'm also thinking as we're talking about it, I may not log in hmm. and just keep the thing open like I need to log in and I'm still able to play my music. You know what? Later today or tomorrow, I will do it. I'll go in and fire up that music. That tells you that I don't do it because I'm having to think about it. I don't right. do it too much because I'm getting a lot of... Right. It just goes to show how reliant I am on Spotify that I don't. Well, I'll figure something out. Up. But I'm going to check it out. I'm going to I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to some of my music on my hard drive. And I'm going to see how I'm able to play it. All right. Without logging in, and then I'll tell All you right. how. Let me know. And uh, some the robots who scan our podcasts and listen <laughs> to things that pick up Apple, they're going to hear me say this, and then. Apple's going to come and shut us down Possible because of that. This podcast is for the purposes of education, information, and entertainment only, and is not a replacement for the professional services of a financial advisor, financial planner, spiritual clergy, spiritual counselor, or spiritual director. We suggest you seek out a trained professional for help with your financial and spiritual needs. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest of Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs are solely their current opinions based upon information they consider reliable, but do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations the host and guest may or may not be associated with, 
in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions provided by the podcast host and guest are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.